You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. Today's message is an audio conversation with John Regeer discussing sexual abuse. This is part three of four. Go ahead and ask Mr. Gear your question. Can a child have the effects of a sexually abused child if they spend hours and hours of their growing up years wandering about reproduction? No one tells them and they are afraid to ask and find out. Okay, you're talking about a child who's been abused and no one explains to them about... Um, well, even if they have not been abused, but if they have been kept in ignorance about um, their reproductive organs, and if anyone talks about it, it's in a um, fearful way or, or in a sense that it's something dirty, how does that affect the child in his growing up years? Well, what's going to happen, you know, every child is going to respond differently based on if they've not been sexually abused, it's going to be different. But ignorance often leads... Uh, a person to make bad decisions later on like you can have a girl that doesn't know anything about sexuality and the boy starts dating her and ask her to do things and she doesn't know what's happening I think it's important that parents sit down with their children and explain uh, at appropriate time in their development uh, what sexuality is and uh, and they do it in an appropriate way uh, but what you're saying is an important question because um, Children that are ignorant when they start dating or courting are going to struggle uh, because they don't understand what sexuality is. Or dating a boy who doesn't know what sexuality is, that boy often takes advantage of them. Let me use an illustration. I've had a number of uh, Amish individuals in my office where the girl um, is explained what bed courting is uh, at age 16 and. Um, She's told that boys will come into her bedroom and they should expect that to happen. That's what happens with courting. And all of a sudden, the boy is taking advantage of her sexually. Then she becomes confused, feels dirty and violated. And often they disassociate emotionally through that experience, but don't really understand. And I think young people need to be explained very clearly that sex needs to be for marriage um, and uh, it's for the fulfillment of marriage and for procreation and parents need to explain to their children before they begin dating courting uh, the importance of staying pure and why and given the consequence if they don't stay pure um, so that a girl going into dating or courting can very clearly because her father sat down with her say to a boyfriend uh, I don't want to work this until we're married and uh, stands clearly against it so I think information needs to be given to uh, the young person uh, at appropriate ages to prepare them for their uh, so they don't make mistakes uh, my personal feeling and, based, and this is the base of your question many young people go into dating having no idea and the only information they have about sexuality comes from their peers and obviously that information is good I wanted to give a little personal testimony. When our daughter, Rachel, was about 10 years old, my wife sat down with her and read 
through three different books that explain pretty much the design for a girl's body and the changes that she would go through and eventually how God designed the body to have a family. And uh, this was covered through a series of three books. I believe we ordered them from uh, Dobson Ministries. And uh, after our daughter went through that, we did the same thing for my son. I, of course, sat down with my son and went through the same books. But there was never a question. By the time they were 15 years old, they knew everything that mom and dad knew. And I found that that really drew us together as a family, first of all. And I remember the first time my son came to me and said that his best friend made a joke about some sexual act. And he said, Dad, I didn't even think it was funny. He said, you and I had talked about those things many times. And uh, I was it just blessed my heart to know that what we had done in laying the groundwork was working Two weeks ago, uh, my daughter got married to a fine, young, solid, born-again Christian man, and they both kept themselves pure. And I tell you, we celebrated on the day of the wedding. Uh, I still believe, and even more so today than ever before, that as parents, we are, that is our responsibility to sit down with each one of our children and teach them those things. Those are not dirty things. They're God-designed, and they're meant to be a blessing in years to come. And uh, so I just really wanted to share that, and I appreciate for the time you gave me. That's great. I, uh, I think every parent needs to do that. I, I'm going to go back and put three things together that I think are very important. In order to protect your children from uh, sexual damage, it's very important that each child feels loved by each parent, both man, uh, father and mother. That's very critical. I've never found a person with a moral addiction that had caring parents that really cared emotionally for their hearts every day. Secondly, we need to help our children with their emotional pain and connect to care about that and lead them in a prayer to resolve their pain. Because moral addictions, which um, obviously can lead to um, sexual abuse later on, uh, solved if we cared about our children and resolved their moral issues. Then the third step is what you shared, and that is to make sure they understand sexuality and understand why it's important to stay pure before marriage. Um, in order that uh, they can accomplish God's purpose and not feel violated emotionally. Um, 98% of the people coming into my office have participated in premarital sex, and I counsel 99% of the people coming into my office are Christian from churches. Wow. And that's bad commentary on our culture. The newspaper said since 1940, 90% of the people living have participated in premarital sex. I was born wow. in 46, so uh, that's a long time ago. But 90% of people have been involved premarital, and uh, which means they began their marriage emotionally damaging each other um, and experiencing some of the consequences of, of that in marriage before they even got married. 
So those are the three things I think are very important. And I've found personally that if a child's loved and parents care about them so they're not emotionally damaged and to help them understand sexuality, uh, very seldom do you have a problem with a child sexually. Uh, and if parents have an open relationship to their children, the children will tell them if they've sexually used and that's very important. Wow. So it's pretty important as parents to let your kids know that you love them. Right. 82 callers on now. There's one person that has a question now, so go ahead with your question. How does a sexually abused person feel? What feelings and thoughts do they need to deal with? A number of years ago, I took the time to have people that were sexually abused make a list of the pain words they feel. And uh, here they are, afraid, anxious, bad, belittled, confused, controlled, deceived, destroyed, dirty, devalued, disrespected, disgusting, embarrassed, exposed, forced, gross, guilty, um, manipulated, um, repulsed, ruined, scared, shamed, trapped, trashed, unable to speak. Uh, I have a list of those. If anybody wants them, they can request them um, by email or sending us a note, calling. But those are the pain words that people feel that were sexually that have been sexually abused. Now, one of the callers asked the question, you know, how do we know if someone has been sexually abused? The best way to find out if someone's sexually abused, because some people will not remember then, is to have them take this sheet and check off all the words they have felt in their past. If a person feels dirty, violated, used, uh, those words uh, only come from a person being sexually abused. There's no other form of abuse that actually produces those pain words. And then you go back to find the cause for that um, and just ask them, did anyone touch you inappropriately? Did anyone emotionally damage you? I'd like to use an illustration. A lady had been married 26 years to her husband. They'd been serving the Lord together in the mission field. And uh, she had married this, her husband. They were not involved primarily. And uh, on her honeymoon night, um, when they went into their bedroom, she started screaming and went into the corner and uh, went into a fetal ball and started screaming and telling her husband not to touch her. And for 26 years, she disassociated every time they were sexually involved with each other. The husband was patient with her, but she never understood what had happened or what had happened and why she was that way. When she came um, to a conference that focused on the family where I shared how to pray to actually resolve issues, she started praying that way and came to a training in her office. And she all of a sudden realized that her father, who had been an alcoholic, had sexually abused her through oral sex when she was 18 months. And that's mm -hmm. why she reacted the way she did in dissociating effect with her husband. As soon as she realized that, she had already been taught how to pray to resolve it. She prayed to resolve it, and that evening, all the pain went away. And she became a normal wife for the first time in 26 years. Her husband yeah. got all excited uh, about the change and asked her what happened. And she said, I finally put a puzzle together. I never knew why I was different, why I reacted sexually in marriage until I started praying and understood what happened and prayed to resolve it. Uh, all my fear went away, my anxiety went away, my dirty feeling was sex went away uh, because Jesus healed my heart in that through prayer. And uh, that testimony is in our premarital series that uh, we have. Um, she shares her testimony of how she came to freedom. So freedom is available to people who have been emotionally damaged. Amen. Yeah, go ahead and ask your question. The Voice of Amish uh, phone number I didn't get. And what is the Voice of Amish? That is 
3800. And you can listen to these recordings in the last two we've had. So it's 641-715-3800. And the access number that you'll need is 89752. What, what is the homage voice? This is a publication that goes out to mostly Amish people, uh, to about 7,500 households, and uh, it originally the conference line was kind of uh, set up just for people to call in and discuss that are written in the Amish voice, and uh, that's something we do pretty much every first Sunday evening of every month. Uh, and then there are, there's also, um, you know, people have questions or want to discuss topics, they're welcome to do so. Okay, and how can people get the Amish voice if they'd like to begin getting it? In the- You're welcome to uh, call our office. The number for our office is 419-962-1515. Don, there's, been, there's several questions that haven't been answered. What should somebody do if they're inappropriately talked to, touched, or stalked? And, and if they have been abused, what could they, that person have done differently to avoid it? Okay, it, it kind of depends on um, the age of the person. I think if you have a child, parents need to sit down with the child and explain what to do if, if they're struggling with these issues, like at school. If you have an adult... Um, what needs to happen is they need to go to the authorities, um, whether it's at a job or wherever, uh, to expose those things. Um, the other um, answer to that question is it's important that you are careful where you are with another world. In other words, if someone um, is saying things inappropriate sexually, it's important that you move away from them socially and not participate with them uh, or confront them and say, this is inappropriate. And uh, if it consists, continues, uh, I need to talk to someone um, so that it stops. Usually when you make a statement like that, uh, it stops. Now, the thing you have to be careful of is often a non-expressive person who um, is non-assertive has difficulty confronting another person. And often people that are perpetrating sexual abuse pick on submissive people that, are, that won't uh, report anything or, or stop anything. Like, for example, um, guys will never um, sexually approach a dominant girl. They will always approach a submissive girl because a submissive girl will give in uh, to their request. And so submissive people who have difficulty talking uh, need to be encouraged to say no and explain how to actually say no uh, to those things, whether it's a child or an adult. So I think parents need to explain to their children if anyone does anything similar to this, uh, which is sexual abuse, that the child says no immediately talks about it to the parent and is open to the parent about what's happening. So going to somebody else, getting somebody else is very important. Right, because all of this is secretive. I mean, the biggest problem I find, basically, when someone is sexually abused by a cousin, by a neighbor, and their friends and the families are friends, um, I've had numerous situations where uh, parents, uh, two-parent couples are friends, and uh, the children from one family are sexually abusing the children from the other family. And even when the children expose that to their parents, the parents say, oh, those children can't do that. They don't believe the child, and so they're never protected from that abuse. Um, Abuse can happen even in Christian circles. Um, A lady came to me who was sexually abused at age six, 
in her home. Uh, her parents were starting a church in their home, and uh, so the children went to the bedrooms during the church service while they were meeting, and she was sexually abused, came out and told her mother, and the mother was embarrassed, and immediately uh, made her be quiet. And for the next 20 years, her mother didn't believe that that had happened. And so not only was the girl sexually abused and became dominant and angry as a result of that, but no one ever listened to her. And when she met with me, I said, what happened? And she described it, and I believed her and said, would you like to be free from the pain you experienced? I can help you do that through prayer. And she agreed to that, and she lost her dominant anger and the emotional pain from that in a four-hour meeting that I had with to help solve that. Well, thank you for answering that. You're welcome. All right. Someone else indicated they have a question from Mr. Regeer. So go ahead with your question. I have a comment. I just want to comment. I've seen many girls get free by using this method, and it works. I'm glad for that uh, because only Jesus can heal hearts, and only he can take the pain out of a heart that's been damaged. And I'm excited that you've observed that. Maybe I could just encourage uh, everyone that's listening Sexual abuse can't be healed um, just by telling a person to forget their pain or by quoting scripture to them. It can only be healed if they're led in a prayer and Jesus heals their heart. Uh, The Bible says that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And uh, Psalms 147, verse 3, um, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up wounds. And he's the only one that can actually do that. In reality, we as counselors uh, don't really change people. We're only the person who seeks to understand and care and understand what's happened and assist them in leading them to Jesus to actually get their problem solved. And prayer is the only way that I've found where sexual abuse can be resolved. There are Christian books written that says it takes eight years of counseling, and that's because they use an intellectual model where you try and talk to a person, and talking to them makes them feel better. The only problem is that method doesn't take away the pain. Only prayer can take away people's pain. And I've never found another method that actually works in the last 35 years I've been involved in counseling to help people with sexual abuse come to freedom. So I'm excited that you've observed many, many women coming to freedom using this model. And uh, I would encourage each of you, uh, if you don't understand the model, we have the resources here at our office to help you with that. Um, We have DVDs to actually help you understand how to help the sexually abused uh, come to freedom. Um, But it's very important uh, that prayer is used and a dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ, who has created our hearts and wants to heal them from this pain. Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.